3: We welcome you to hour number three of this Wednesday live right here on the early line on Sports Grid. One final hour to go up until 11 a.m. Eastern time. An MVP conversation in the association. Preview of games later tonight in the NBA and in college basketball as well. We'll look at the early lines for the divisional round weekend in the National Football League playoffs in the third pga tour event of the year starts tomorrow in la quinta california it's bright it's sunny unlike the east coast that is cold and snowy so donnie let's continue our mvp conversation that we ended out hour two with that begins hour number three we asked the public at this point of the nba season who should win the nba mvp Joel Embiid got most of the votes at 46%, Nikola Jokic around 37%, and other bringing nearly 17% of
4: the votes as well. Donnie, you
3: said Embiid, you agree with the public, how come?
4: Uh, it's because you're only lining it up again, and granted, these teams don't play all that much in head-to-head matchups, so you sort of get that, you know, extra yeah. boost when you dominate a performance like Joel Embiid did last night. And when I say dominated a performance, we'll look at it from a perspective of who was the catalyst for the Sixers to win that game. It was Joel Embiid, another forty-point effort out of Joel Embiid, ten assists last night to go along with seven rebounds. Jokic didn't like. Hey, he didn't even show up in that game. Twenty-five points and nineteen rebounds is absolutely incredible. But you are going to give the lift here to Joel Embiid because his team won that basketball game and as I talked about in the last segment you're lining this up saying what did we see last it's a great award now what would that award price be here on the FanDuel Sports excuse me on the FanDuel Sportsbook and then also what would the poll look like if Nikola Jokic had 41 points 10 assists and seven rebounds and won that basketball game over Joel Embiid we might be looking at things differently but it's sensational both of these two guys I love the fact that Ben they're both big men fighting for this award in a guards league it just makes it all that more intriguing.
3: And we're talking about the guys that have won the last three NBA MVPs. Yeah. Nikola Jokic back-to-back, of course, the years prior to Joel Embiid winning it a season ago. Let's bring in that Sports Grid radio audience. You're our number three of the early line at Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. He is Donnie. I am Ben. There should be a cue or something of the sort to let us know when that radio no. audience needs to be let in. But it's all right, Donnie. And I will do the work here. Donnie, I don't really at this moment have a strong take on who should be the NBA MVP frontrunner. Nikola Jokic's numbers this year. Are again of course a statistical anomaly in terms of what he means across the stat sheet the field goal percentage in the month of January is north of 75 percent Joel Embiid though is going berserk in terms of leading the NBA at better than 34 points per game in scoring he had 10 assists last night you would expect 10 rebounds he had 10 assists last night he is doing everything that Nikola Jokic is doing as well from filling up the stat sheet but I will say from the odds perspective, Perspective, which I think is important. Joel Embiid has already missed double digit games this year. You can only miss 17 now in all of the NBA regular season. You need to play at minimum 65 of your club's 82 games in a regular season to be considered for an NBA award at the end of the season. Those are the new guidelines put into place for the first time here in 2023 24. Philadelphia Knows that Nick nurse knows that Daryl Morty knows that Joel Embiid even knows that of course. So if we get 15, 16 absences for Joel Embiid this year with two weeks remaining, they're probably going to play him. But how does that all come into the equation if there is an injury, if something sidelines Joel Embiid throughout the NBA campaign? Because Donnie, when you're betting the NBA MVP odds with only a 20 cent distinction between Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid right now, the Joker, the favorite plus two forty, Jojo just 20 cents behind at plus two sixty. Not only are you betting performances in stats in narratives and voter fatigue, you're also betting availability, and that is heavily skewed to Nikola Jokic at this moment.
4: And it is, and it should be. But also, Ben, let's get back to what the NBA was trying to do, which I think we all agreed with them. And it gets back to the point where I just talked about how enjoyable it was to watch Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic go toe-to-toe because so many times on the NBA landscape, hey, three games out there, marquee, and one superstar plays, the other one doesn't. Well, why do we do this on a marquee? This was supposed to be a great battle. And the reason I bring that up is if Joel Embiid was under the guise this year of, okay, I'm just going to play every, you know, sit once every three games here. I'm going to dominate the other two, sit, dominate the other two, sit. Be like come on, man. You played 60 games. this year, You sat 22. You have a rest advantage over every other player, even though you are yeah. a superstar. And we want our superstars to play. But let's be honest with Joel Embiid's season here. These weren't, hey, we're just going to take a rest on a back-to-back. These were legitimate ankle and knee injuries here that you couldn't have said, hey, well, I could have played through that here. No, you're not going to do that. That's what the interesting part of it comes up, because if it's actual games missed during the injury, that's sort of a low blow here when the NBA was actually telling us, look, we understand injuries are a part of the game. But if I can put this award market out here, which also means first-team All-NBA and also higher elevation of salaries based on first-team All-NBA yeah. honors here, this could do a lot more damage than that as we anticipated because there are honest injuries where you're going to miss games at a time. But I know what the NBA was trying to do. Look, guys. You can't just sit out once a week here because this is rest and you're getting ready for the playoffs. I get that. But to the detriment, we might be looking at an MVP player that goes, what did you want me to do? I missed two and a half weeks of the season because I hurt my knee. Now I can't win the MVP even though I dominated every other basketball game. Embiid has missed ten
3: total games this year, yep. which again means he can only miss seven of Philadelphia's. Let's do the quick math here. Philly is 26 and 13, 39 games. He can only miss seven of Philly's final 43 games. Something to keep in mind. I wonder, Donnie, how beholden the NBA league office would be to the 65 game minimum if clearing away Joel Embiid's statist- uh, statistically performance based. Philly is one of the top four seeds in the Eastern Conference. How stringent they would be in terms of those new guidelines if let's say Joel Embiid plays 63 of 82 games and is not sitting the final two weeks of the year because Philly is firmly locked into the three spot or because he's just resting in terms of low load management. And it's not just the MVP race as Donnie alluded to. It's supermax deals. It's contract incentives. It's all of that coming to a head here for this 65 game minimum.
4: Yeah, and they should take that out, by the way. If you make it a first NBA team that you get the extra pay bump here, that's not necessarily correct. And also not projecting what you think that player is going to be. But at the same time, let's just play devil's advocate. Joel Embiid missed the first 20 games of the NBA season. The Sixers were 5-15. and 15. Then he was the best player the rest of the way. The Sixers made the playoffs and had a solid record. At the end of the season, "Oh, he was hurt to start the season, so he can't get back. I know we're going to extremes at this point, but I like what the NBA did, but it might be a little bit counterproductive when you might actually have a legitimate NBA. Kid going oh he missed one too many games stop it come on
3: yeah it will be very I, I am going to laugh at it I think it's going to be pretty fun That's down it. the home stretch of this NBA regular season and let's not forget the Nuggets have already played 42 games this year we're nearing the midway point of this NBA campaign it just started though on the PGA Tour we break down the American Express next it is the early portion of the 2024 pga tour season this week is event number three the second full field event of the pga tour campaign in 2024 we welcome you back to a Wednesday live right here on the early line. It's Ben, it's Donnie, and joining us is the man in the middle. It is Keith Stewart, helping us to break down the American Express out in La Quinta, California, where Keith, one of my favorite things about the early portion of the PGA Tour season, it starts in Hawaii, we go to California next. For us, maybe in the Northeast or those in the Midwest that have been enduring the bitter cold of the last two weeks, it's nice to look out to places that feature sunshine.
7: Hey, there's no doubt about that. And Palm Springs is definitely one of those places. This is a wild week to have at the American Express. Three golf courses, 156 guys competing in a pro-am format with a three-day cut. It's just, there's a lot of strange things happening this week. So let's run it. Let's get right into it.
3: Yeah. So Keith, let's start with that format. They're going to play on three different golf courses out in the desert. It is a pro-am. And as you mentioned, a 54-hole cut event meaning everybody will play until the end of saturday how does the format impact your handicapping
7: well i I think for sure i'm looking at guys that play well in the pro-ams and there's two of them in specific that i've targeted on the pga tour one is here and the other one is at pebble beach i mean not everybody wants to run around with bill murray for six hours and play in these events move from golf course to golf course um they did get a great field, and they have been getting a better and better field at the Amex, but for years, everyone knew it as the Bob Hope, and it wasn't the best field. We've had a lot of long shots win here as a result. Um, the golf course setup isn't the most difficult, so it's tough to separate the lower-tier PGA Tour players from the upper echelon guys, and those guys like to win. So John Rahm winning last year is definitely a, a little bit of an anomaly when it comes down to it. I mean, six of the last ten winners have been— longer odds, like greater than 66 to one. So I I look at that, and I also look at who plays well in the desert, who's good at the Shriners Children's Open in Vegas, and also who's good where we're going to see in a couple weeks at the WMPO in Scottsdale. Keith,
4: as we line up these golf courses, as you said, it is unique that they're going to play three different golf courses here. Is one easier than the other one, or are some guys hoping to get a certain draw on which courses they're going to play this weekend? Donnie, that's a great question, and the fact of the matter is it seems
7: like yes. La Quinta Country Club is one of the three. We also have at PGA West the Nicholas Tournament course, and then we have PGA West the stadium course that's designed by Pete Dye. Now, La Quinta Country Club we have seen over the years that everyone that starts there in round one, it's the easiest of the three. They get off like a rabbit. They get off to a head start. And it's proven that those guys are more successful at making the cut than the other two courses mm-hmm. if they start there first. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that those guys are going to, the leader there is going to go eight, nine under par today, or on Thursday. So what you're going to see is that if you get to La Quinta on on Friday, or even on Saturday, the third day, you're really pressing yourself to try to catch it and make that top 65 in that cut. So look for the guys at La Quinta that start there on Thursday.
3: Keith, as Donnie knows very well, the motto of the weekend is going very, very low. So as we look at the outright odds for the American Express, you mentioned in the past, not the strongest fields on tour. This week, though, world number one, Scotty Scheffler, is playing out in the desert, and he is the favorite to win this tournament outright at plus five. 4 dollars in front of Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley at eleven to one, Sung J M twenty to one, and Justin Thomas rounds out the top five at a twenty two to one price. You see, Scotty Scheffler, world number one, with a really short number. Keith, is there still value at looking at the very top of the odds board?
7: I just don't see it, guys. Those top three that the oddsmakers are obviously favoring, you're looking at Cantley, Xander, and of course the number one man there, Scotty. The top 10 last year, all including Rom, they averaged 30 birdies over the course of 72 holes. I just don't see Scotty making that many putts. And at five to one or five and a half to one, There is no value there. If you want to take him at a top five and then try to live bet him later, that would definitely be the way that I would approach it if he gets a little bit behind. But for me, I'm going to skip those top three. And You know, one of the names you mentioned was Justin Thomas or JT. But I see a lot more value with another JT in this field, and that's JT Postman. He's been delivering lately. I mean, you look at the Sentry, he finishes fifth. That's an elite field. Then you go to the Sony, he finishes sixth. And he shoots the tournament low round at 61. I mean, come on. I mean, the guy's hot. You need a putter this week. He's gained on approach in nine of his last 10 events. I like the postman to deliver.
4: You take a look at the way these tournaments set up here. We're still a couple of weeks, or actually a couple months away from getting to Augusta. But on this early swing, has anybody caught your attention here that maybe coming into this mm. golf season you weren't anticipating that's playing very well and say, you know what, Donnie? This might be one of those golfers to watch out for, not just in this tournament, but maybe down the line. Well, it's interesting.
7: I mean, the best of the best have only played out in Kapalua, so we've only seen them once. The one theme that I'm really getting a gist of from hearing from the guys on tour, talking to caddies, players, et cetera, is how important these regular tour events and getting into them and playing very, very well. You look at the two winners we've had so far, Chris Kirk, 200 to one at the Century. Grayson Murray, 400 to one right there at the Sony. These guys, in order to get into these signature events, are gonna go and play really, really aggressive. You saw it on Sunday at the Sony, and we're gonna see it again this weekend. So that's the part Early trends in the season, that's what I'm looking at. Now, we get past next week at the Farmers. We're going to go three weeks in a row, Donnie, and I want to answer that question when we get to the Genesis because we're going to go Pebble, Signature Event, then we're going to go WMPO, and then we're going to go Genesis. Tiger will be back. The place will be lit up. And at that point, that's when Rom had won three of the first six, and everybody was like, whoa, this is the guy to watch for Augusta, and I think we're going to see a similar pattern. I'm just not quite sure who that is yet of the big names
3: using this early season swing for that sample size once we get to the bigger events later on in this PGA Tour season. So, Keith, when you look at the overall field, some strong players in it, some familiar names as well out in Palm Springs, California. The outright odds are all very long prices pretty much outside of Scotty Scheffler, but when you look at some names to follow this week out in La Quinta in the finishing positions, top 5, top 10, top 20, top 40, who some names we should key in on? Well, when you look at the top
7: 10, one of the guys that a lot of pundits are talking about to win, I don't see that, but it's Sung jm. Im. He's definitely somebody I'm favoring right there at a top 10 price. He's going to be over two to one Uh, in the top 20 range. I mean, you can't go wrong with Poston and Cole. I've been playing these guys at top 20 week after week and they keep cashing. I mean, Eric Cole is just unbelievable. The guy plays every week. Mm. He led the tour in birdies in 2023. So if you need birdies this week. He'd be a good guy to call. And then a little further down the board in that top 40 zone, how about an Adam Hadwin? Always plays great in the desert. Of course, another guy I'm looking at, even as an outright, and the odds on him are perfect at 120 to 1. That's Nick Taylor. Yeah, he's the Canadian Open champ that won the hearts of an entire country last summer, making that 75-foot eagle putt. But don't forget, he lost in Scottsdale and finished runner-up to Rahm and Scheffler in the desert. He was awesome last week at the Sony ball striking, the putter. So there's a couple of guys placements down the
4: boards in the 10, 20, and 40 zone. Hey, Keith, by the way, quick question. We love rumors about golf here. Any thoughts here to Wyndham Clark joining the Live Golf Tour here and heading over to John Rom's team?
7: Well, no. I tell you what, Donnie, that's another good question. And, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. It's interesting to me that Live starts in two weeks in Mayakoba, the first week in February. Remember last year, a couple of guys like Brendan Steele, Danny Lee, they all they all announced in early February that they were leaving the PGA tour. Ron doesn't officially have a team yet. He has one player on his team, Kieran Vincent, who's mm-hmm. from the Asian tour, but there's a lot of talk circling around Caleb that the sophomore from Tennessee, and Wyndham Clark. Imagine this, Donnie. If Liv gets Wyndham, right? And let's say John Rom calls you up and says, Hey, you want a hundred million? You just won the US Open, you want to play with me at Liv, right? Live would then own three of the four major winners from last year. Mm. Who could have ever thought that that rumor would take place? And we're close to it. Keith
3: Stewart,
2: that. we appreciate the time. More on the early line up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
5: It
3: is time to win with Zinn. Mark Zinno joins us live right here on this Wednesday on the early line on SportsGrid. I am Ben, he is Donnie, and Mark Zinno, the man in the middle. Mark Zinno, how was your opening round of the NFL postseason? Did Super Wild Card Weekend treat you kindly?
8: Well, overall, yes. Uh, I have some choice words for Sean McVay. And I, uh, I I Mm. I will never forgive him for what he did to me on Sunday and failing to score 24 points in that game on a oh. repeated base. I, if I would have known that he was such an idiot in the red zone, I, I would have thought differently <laughs> of that game. Uh, I, I I don't want to go back to this place. You know, I finally started to get over it. We finally hit Wednesday <laughs> and I have moved on from Sean McVay. I, I, I may have wished all of his hair to fall out. I may have wished for his wife to cheat on him. I may have wished Whoa. for a lot of things back to hey. Sean McVay uh, after what <laughs> happened. Yeah. Ben actually wish uh, that as I,
4: well by the way.
8: Yeah, I well when I meant cheat on her I meant with me. So um you know there there is that but nonetheless.
3: Right. <laughs> I I, I got to take over the it. reins here. I got to take the reins back on this show. That might fly with DMB on football full circle, not live right here on a Wednesday on the early line on sports grid. So we've got eight teams remaining, you know, in the chase for a super bowl championship here in the 2023 NFL season, the final eight of the NFL. As you look at the bracket that still remains, as you look at the weekend ahead in the divisional round, which matchup intrigues you the most?
8: Well, I I think the Packers 49ers matchup is the most intriguing given what we saw from the Green Bay Packers and the way they were able to dismantle Dallas uh, and the way they did it more with offense than anything else. I mean, it would have been one thing if Dallas's offense had played poorly and they had turned the ball over and the Dallas defense played well, like that was more of a viable game script. But what I saw from the jump in that game was Dallas defense be completely unprepared for Jordan Love and the Green Bay offense. But I still think this is a different world here with their stepping into. Like, I don't think this is disrespect being shown to Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. I think the world is still forgetting a little bit about how much better the San Francisco 49ers are than the rest of the league. And I continue to have Hmm. conversations with friends in the industry that I still power rate San Fran over Baltimore. Not by much, not as much as it was before those two teams played, but I still, I still have San Francisco as the best team in football and they are primed, I think, here to sort of bring the Packers and Jordan Love back down to earth.
4: Yeah, it's going to be tough to see that play out, but I did really like what I saw of the Green Bay Packers, and you're right. If you want to go toe-to-toe and put up points, it looks like Green Bay headed in the right direction. Mark, let's take a look at that game on Sunday, 6.30 p.m. In the cold now, when we say cold... Kansas City might be bringing a beach towel to this game, saying, what? 22 degrees? This is going to be fantastic. <laughs> but they're taking on the Buffalo Bills with a three-point line, actually currently sitting right now at the Fan Sportsbook at under three at two and a half and a total of 45 and a half. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Andy Reid. It's the Buffalo Bills who just got done hammering the Pittsburgh Steelers. How does this game play out the shortest line of the week?
8: Buffalo wins. I, 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 the first thing I did on Sunday night when the line popped out of Buffalo minus two and a half is hit them on the money line. And I'm okay with it. I'll mm. pay the extra juice. I'm not messing around. But Buffalo is winning this game. Um, look, this is not a Chiefs offense that anyone needs to be scared of. Period. Now, is the Chiefs defense really good? Sure it is. Yeah. Um, but this is the moment here for Josh Allen in which the beginning of his coronation starts. Uh, This is the moment right here that if Josh Allen wants to escape a lot of demons and wants to be able to put himself in that elite category, it has to happen here. He's got to be able to beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. We know he can do it during the regular season. We've seen it several times before, and I'm kind of looking forward to watching Patrick Mahomes whine again as he leaves the field with Josh Allen about something that didn't go his way uh, so he can make another, you know, silly little fool out of himself. And look, Buffalo is the better team here. And, and I've maintained that the entire time, full disclosure, sitting on a Buffalo uh, Bills AFC, uh, AFC champion ticket uh, at plus 850, which I locked in shortly yep. after that Eagles lock. So uh, I also have a future on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. So I really need Buffalo and Baltimore for back-to-back hedging weeks uh, for me in the championship game and, and Super Bowl round uh, going forward. But all that aside, again, Buffalo is a better team here. Kansas City should not be does not have enough offensive firepower to walk into Buffalo and win this game. They can't settle for field oh. goals here, and that's really what it boiled down to, guys. Like, how aggressive is Andy Reid going to be going forward on fourth down and trying to put up seven versus three? Uh, because if Buffalo can hold them to three the same way that Miami did repeatedly with a banged up defense at home, uh, uh, Buffalo has a huge advantage in that sense.
3: The Bills went into their bye week at 6-6 six and six and even 500. First game after the bye was a road trip to Kansas City, where the Bills have now won a regular season game in Arrowhead each of the past three years. Buffalo won that game 20-17. to 17. It was Kadarius Toney lining up offside, so on and so forth. The Bills have not lost since that game week number 14 this will be just the second time this year the Chiefs have been booked as a dog and the first time was week number 18 and Blaine Gabbert made the start 12 times in the past six seasons with Patrick Mahomes under center KC has been an underdog they are seven and five straight up the only team in that span with a winning record outright as an underdog now to the first game up of the divisional round weekend, the first of two on Saturday, Zeno's Super Bowl ticket, the Baltimore Ravens, the number one overall seed in the AFC, now a a nine-and-a-half point favorite against the Houston Texans, the over-under working slightly down at 43-and-a-half. Zeno, the Texans won outright as a home underdog last week against the Browns. Can they keep this game closer than that spread would say?
8: I think they can. I think the Ravens still – and Lamar still have a little bit to prove. Obviously, we know his playoff struggles. But can we just attack this from this standpoint, guys? I'm sitting at a a 9.5-point spread, and you see the total sitting where it is at, what was it, 43, 44, uh, somewhere in that range? Yeah. I mean, the idea – what they're telling you here is that the Ravens are going to win this game 24 to 13, somewhere in that range. I would just take the Texans' team total over here because I I feel pretty confident – that they're going to be able to get to 10 points, you know, before the game gets out of hand. And then there's a garbage touchdown waiting somewhere for them to get closer to 20. Like if the Ravens aren't blowing this team out, guess what? That means they're not scoring because we believe the Ravens defense is going to be enough to uh, slow down the Texans offense. Look, you know, I I think – C.J. Stroud is one of two quarterbacks in this round. You just have to blitz relentlessly. The other one is Jared Goff. They're both metrically terrible against pressure. So it, it, the way this game script works out is that if the Ravens don't get to 30 and push this thing over, then they have a real chance to lose this thing outright, right? Like that means the Texans are at 13-17 and we're talking twenty seventeen 17 the whole way out uh, and, and it goes down to the wire. But I think the game script here is that you know, the Texans are probably down 20 to 10, 17 to 10 at half. And then if the Ravens start to pull away, guess what? There's a garbage touchdown waiting somewhere for the Texans to get over 13 and a half or 14 and a half, whatever the number may be for their team total. That's kind of the way I would attack this thing. I think the Texans can get close to 20 in this thing.
4: FanDuel has that listed at 16 and a half as a team total here for the Texans, but mm. I do think it's a pretty good look mm. at this point, and you're right. If it is a blowout, CJ Stroud isn't coming out of the game late third quarter. He's going to take all those reps in the playoffs, and certainly we've shown that he's certainly a pretty dynamic quarterback. We'll see how it plays out. Let's get to that second game on Saturday. I know you hit it off the top of the show here for us. Uh, Love versus Purdy. The reason I want to bring up this game with the Packers and the 49ers, not from a side perspective, which we probably all think the San Francisco 49ers will win. How about the total here, Mark, listed at 50 and a half. We saw how explosive. The Packers were. And the one thing that we know, and Kevin and I always joke about this on Pro Football Today, you pencil in, you know, 30 points here to 28 points already off the bat for the 49ers. Are we getting a total in this game?
8: Well, here's the thing. Uh, that was my first look was the over. Either that or San Francisco's team total over, right? Like, I, I think those are the two things that jumped off the, bat, the page at me. When I put game scripts together, guys, and I'm going to look at a total, I want to give myself as many outs as possible. There's a part of me that can't escape the Niners winning this thing 30 to 10. There's there's a part of me that can't escape them defensively, just shutting down Green Bay and then using the run game to just grind this thing down uh, in the second half. Like I know we all expect points to be scored, but every time that seems to happen in the NFL playoffs, what happens the following week? Nobody does anything, right? I mean, we said, look, Dallas even got the 32. Granted, it was garbage time, but they still put up 30 points against the Green Bay defense. I know that there's a game script where the 49ers score 30. I know there's a game script where the 49ers score 27 and the Packers score 24. Uh, I'm trying to eliminate the game script here where Green Bay is not ready and prepared for the level of defense that they're going to face and completely get Mm -hmm. shut down in the first half. And then all of a sudden, it's just the Niners controlling the game with the run game. And they win the thing 33-10, to 33-13 in that range, and it stays under the total. Like, I, there, There's a world here where San Fran can keep Green Bay to 17 or less. I don't think that's that far-fetched.
3: 246.5, the passing yards prop for Jordan Love. He has had at least 256 and 8 the last 10 for Green Bay. Quickly, here's another fourth and final matchup of the division around weekend that we haven't looked at just yet. In the Motor City, the Lions a 6.5-point home favorite. Against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What's the breakdown in Detroit on Sunday?
8: I hate both these teams. Um, and I really oh. hate the Buccaneers. That said, <laughs> uh, you can't the Lions can't be laying six and a half points. They're not six and a half points better than than a lot of teams in this league that aren't Carolina, the Cardinals, and the Giants. Like they're, just, they're not. So uh I think the, the that, that it's Tampa Bay or pass in this one for me.
3: That is the look that Mark Zeno has as of this moment, 48 and a half. You didn't have to be so concise in breaking down that mm. game, but I guess you don't really like either of those two teams.
8: Well, I, I, it's not even, I just, the Lions should have lost that game. They absolutely should have lost that game. They had no business winning that game. Look at Ben's face. They had no business winning that game. So uh, I'm not. I love when you them. do this, though. I love, I
3: love when you do this. Should have lost the game, but they didn't and they're playing in the divisional round and hosting a playoff game for a second consecutive weekend. Mark Zeno, don't rant so hard on Sunday night, or maybe do, or the early line next. Uh. Oh, we were still talking in the commercial break, and Donnie says something three seconds before we hit air that gets me. That's good. All right. Anyway, we get ready for a big night around the association, a big Wednesday night in college hoops as well. Conference action around the country in CBB. But we start with Donnie's favorite A central focus in Cleveland. It's the Cavaliers and the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee booked as a a three-and-a-half point road favorite. The over-under, 236-and-a-half. The last time we saw Milwaukee, it was Dame time. From 40 feet away, the buzzer-beating win for the Bucks. But they have not been great as the favored side this year. Laying three-and-a-half on the road in the land. What do you expect tonight between the Cavs and the Bucks?
4: I'm going to take the Cavs here, and that's not based on just like, well, I think the Cavs will win the basketball game. Hear me out on this. Look, I like the Bucs. Quality team, but not playing up to their capabilities on a night-to-night basis. I take a look at the Cavaliers. A little bit underperforming on the season, but I like Donovan Mitchell in this game. Ben, last time they played, how about this? 36 minutes, 14 of 23 from the field, 34 points. And you know me. I like guys that come into the game red hot. Last two games for Donovan Mitchell. Now, granted, that game against Milwaukee was in December, December 29th. The last two games he's played against Chicago and Brooklyn, how about 45 points and 34 points? Field goal attempts in those last two games, 21 and 30. You're looking at a guy that's pressing it down here and hitting the gas pedal. I like the Cavs tonight with the points, and I'll take Donovan Mitchell over his points prop. Stay hot, kid. The Cavs
3: this year, just seven and eight against the spread as an underdog. But when you look at those covers, six of them, six of the seven, an outright victory. Again, Milwaukee has been booked as the favored side. 39 times out of the Milwaukee's 40 games this year, but 15, 23 and one against the number for the bucks who are riding a three game win streak. Since Giannis and Tendry called out the equipment manager, Milwaukee's playing a little bit of better basketball, all relative, right? The bucks still have yeah. the second best record in the Eastern conference, 16 games North of 500, but they have only covered once in this three game win streak. And again, 15 23 and one against the spread next up in the association we go late night out to LA it's the Lakers and the Mavericks a hefty total 244 and a three and a half point spread in favor of the Lakers only one prop listed for Dallas tonight Donnie and it's Luka Doncic 32 and a half his points prop at the moment for the Mavericks making his return to the lineup for Dallas
4: and by the way, like well, let's anticipate they have their full complement of weapons here for Dallas, which again, Josh Green, Derek Jones, Derek Lively, okay. But we, we're really concerning ourselves with Doncic and Kyrie Irving. You talk about Doncic yeah. coming back into the ball, which is going to really help, and they're getting points. So if I get Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic in this game, I'm taking the Mavericks. But by the way, you're paying attention to what Kyrie Irving has been doing on the basketball court. How about this? It's the game on the 7th going up against Minnesota. 35, 33, 44, 33, and 42. And I just Told you about, hey, kid, stay out there hot. Donovan Mitchell. Look at the shot attempts here since that game against Minnesota. 27, 25, 26, 27, and 28. Now, granted, he's not going to get those type of looks here if Luka Doncic does come back. But if you need a guy that's red hot and willing to take the shots, if Doncic is in full go tonight, even though he's going to be playing, let's go ahead and take I'm going to take Dallas tonight in this game. I love what Kyrie Irving's doing, adding Luka back into the fold. I'll take the points.
3: Dallas was abysmal as an underdog to start off this 2023-24 NBA season just two and eight against the spread and both covers were an outright win in their last six games as a dog Dallas has covered every single one and they've won outright in five of those last six including here frequently in the last week and a half without Luka Doncic truly in the fold not only Kyrie Irving Donny but Tim Hardaway Jr. inserted into the starting lineup in the absence of Luka Doncic has been going berserk. A couple of games ago, late last week on Thursday against the Knicks, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Kyrie Irving combined to score 76 74 total points. A couple of nights ago, it was 42 for Kyrie, 41 for Tim Hardaway Jr. He is filled in. Obviously, the offensive production not going to be as sky high for either Kyrie or Tim Hardaway Jr. with Luka Doncic back. And you see it reflected in his prop tonight: 32 and a half. But the Mavericks have been much better as an underdog. The Lakers still have only won six of their 18 games since winning the NBA Cup in that first ever NBA in-season tournament. And as a favorite this year, the Lakers just 10 and 15 against the spread. A huge night around the association. A couple of other spots to highlight the Utah Jazz. Winners of six in a row. A three and a half point home favorite, Donnie, against a Warriors team that threw 40 games this year. Four games below 500, and Golden State is a road underdog in Salt Lake.
4: Yeah, hey, a couple of days off here. By the way, last time out, Steph Curry, only three for nine from three-point range here. You're going to need to lean on him a lot more than usual, which, again, we're not talking about young guys in the backcourt in Curry and Thompson. There's not a lot to love for me. So if we play this game out, right, older aging no. team not playing great basketball, heads in to play the Utah Jazz, who aren't a great basketball team, but in elevation, and the Utah Jazz, are favorite, that screams, hey, guys, take the Warriors here. It's free money. Stop it. I'm going to Jazz tonight, Ben. Me, too. I'm laying the three and a half with Utah. Oh, we mentioned yeah. this early when breaking down the
3: Sixers, by the way. 22 and eight against the number in their 30 games as a favorite this year. Philly, one of five teams around the NBA to cover in more than 70% of their games, booked as a favorite. The team with the best cover percentage as a favorite is the san antonio spurs three games a perfect three and oh against the spread the other teams around philadelphia not often a favorite 12 games or less philly's been a favorite 30 times this year but that includes the utah jazz nine times booked as the favorites utah's won six games in a row and when they are booked as the favorite side it is for a reason the jazz seven and two against the number as a favorite this year again three and a half the warriors got to find it let's give them the benefit of the doubt draymond back for a second straight game nope I look at Utah laying two and a half. Boston, 16-point favorite against San Antonio. The Minnesota Timberwolves on the road in the Motor City against the Pistons, who won their most recent game against the Wizards. Minnesota booked as a 12-point road favorite. Now to college basketball, a big night of conference hoops. And a showdown, a top 20 tilt in stores. The number one team in the country now, the UConn Huskies. Here's my favorite thing. About UConn being ranked number one again for the first time since 2009, 15 years ago. In that 15 year span between number one rankings in the AP poll, Donnie, the Huskies have won three national championships. But unlike college football, there is no end-of-the-year AP top 25 in men's college basketball after the NCAA tournament. But a showdown in stores, number one UConn, 18th-ranked, and a a six-and-a-half-point spread in favor of Dan Hurley's Huskies. Over-under 143-and-a-half, what's the approach tonight out in Connecticut?
4: I'm going under in this game. And by the way, the Big East here, one of those conferences that's really into conference play already. Now, granted, everybody's played games. But in the Big East, you're looking at six games yeah. already banked for both of these teams, the seventh Big East game. So there's some numbers that we can use and take out that silly season, right? We're playing a lot of underperforming teams here, hammering, which really slant your statistics here. But now if we just take a look yeah. at conference play, the number one offense in Big East play, it's Connecticut. We know the number one defense in Big East play is. It's actually Creighton. And also, Styles make fights here, Ben average length of possession on offense for Connecticut in Big e's play that's ninth out of 11 teams Creighton ninth out of 11 teams on defense there at possession length which means they're going to run their offensive sets and I just told you Yukon's UConn's fantastic on offense but again Creighton should be able to match it you take a look at the effective field goal percentage which is going to take a look at turnover percentage and offensive rebounds and getting to the line both of them number one so they're going to offset each other also you take a look at easy buckets down low which UConn usually gets with their big men you know it's number one one in conference plate, defending inside the arc that is the Creighton defense here so I'm going to take a look at this game and say to myself I'm going under forget about the side I think the pace of play makes some sense a little bit slower pace yeah. great defense in Creighton here I like the under in this game Ben I do
3: UConn has gone over in four straight but Creighton a better defense than the Huskies have seen as of late by the way the Blue Jays only an underdog one other time this year against Marquette earlier in Big East play lost by five is a three and a half four point road favorite in Milwaukee. So a competitive game. Yukon five and one in Big East play. Creighton four and two. The Huskies have been a single digit favorite only six times overall this season, Donnie. Both five and one straight up and against the spread. That one loss and non-cover when they were a seven and a half point favorite against Seton Hall in the beginnings of Big East play. And obviously, Hall ball a little bit better than we all expected. Shaheen Holloway's Pirates six and one in conference action with a big victory at the Rock last night over St. John's. There was only one remaining undefeated side in Big 12 play. We're talking about six, seven games in Big East Conference action so far. We're into our fourth game in Big 12 play. Texas Tech, the last remaining undefeated side, 3-0 and in Big 12 play. Why are they a 12-and-a-half-point road underdog tonight in Houston against the Cougars? Well, Houston just 1-2 in, in Big 12 play, losing both of their games last week after starting off the year a perfect 14-0. and I was hoping, Donnie, this number would be single digits, buyback, rebound spot for Houston. It's 12-and-a-half.
4: Yeah, it's 12 and a half here, which, again, is begging. Said, what do you mean? Texas Tech, number one in the Big 12, undefeated here. We talked about it at the early opening parts of the show. You're looking at this Texas Tech yeah. team. Sure, 3-0 you know, in conference, no matter who you play, is very good. But they haven't played the elite prospects just yet. That's going to start tonight against Houston. And if you saw that graphic there, 129 and a half is really low. But again, styles do make fights. We don't yeah. have enough conference play statistics here to really load up. Once we get that 7, 8, 9, 10 games, we haven't had that yet in the Big 12. But if we're going overall in the season, the number One defense in the country is still Houston based on the law of averages, because why they're really good. And also they slow it down. Defensive presence here, Ben. 344th in the country, which means they are going to stifle you and make you throw four, five, six, seven passes yeah. just to get an open look. And you take a look at Texas Tech on offense; right around 300 in the country in tempo there. So that doesn't—that means not a lot of shots here against a vice grip defense. Again, I'm not going to lay the number here, even though it screams you're supposed to take Houston in this spot. I like the under again. I think Houston really grips down on Texas Tech in this game, and it's a lower scoring battle.
3: Best defense in the country, a team that plays yeah. at a slow tempo, twenty or tempo, yep. excuse me, twentieth slowest temp- in all of college. Basketball a <laughs> go tempo, by the way. A hey, team that has been yeah. under in twelve of sixteen games this year. I would almost think, Donnie, that if Houston were going to respond, they would shellac. Texas Tech tonight, they put up 85. It's a big victory in H-Town. But actually, if Houston responds, it's probably a Kelvin Sampson Coogs type of game staying under 129 and a half. Kentucky looking to respond as well. Lost in overtime this weekend against Texas A&M. Looking to bounce back tonight. The Cats booked as a six and a half point favorite against another stingy top 10 defense in Mississippi State.
4: Yeah, it should be a fun one to watch. Kentucky doesn't turn the basketball over at all. Effective field goal positions, top 11 in the country. But you're right. Mississippi State does found themselves on defense. But if you're being honest, it's hard to say, well, I think Kentucky wins, but Mississippi State covers this game. No, I think Kentucky wins this game. Therefore, I'm going to lay it with Kentucky as well to win by margin.
3: Completely agree. I think it's a line that reads Kentucky and Coach Cal. I would lay the six and a half late night out in the Pac-12. Arizona, a 19 and a half point favorite against USC. They might have Bronny. They might have Boogie Ellis. It's an eight and nine mm. start for the Trojans this year under Andy Enfield. 0 oh and four straight up as an underdog. Just one and three against the spread. A best bet from us. Up next to round out a Wednesday on the early line. live right here on the early line on this wednesday we close out our three hours together i'm ben he's donnie and this is the sports grid app the ultimate sports betting companion app available for download at both the apple and the play store scan the qr code on your screen available in the biz app things known as five-star plays. In other words, those are best bets. So are these. Before we say farewell and goodbye on this Wednesday, it is time for Bye, Bye, Bye. What tickles the fancy on this Wednesday for a best bet from Donnie Wrightside?
4: This number is so high, it should be illegal here, Ben. It's the Milwaukee Bucks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I was probably hoping this number would be 27.5, 28 points here for a points prop for Donovan Mitchell. He's sitting at 33.5, which screams, what? He just has an unbelievable performance here. Well, I think the tempo is going to be there, I'm going over 33.5 points for Donovan Mitchell tonight for the Cleveland Cavaliers going up against the Milwaukee Bucks. 35 plus tonight for the young spider. A
3: couple of looks in the NBA, the Jazz booked as a three and a half point favorite in Salt Lake against the Warriors for a reason. The Knicks have gone under in seven of their last eight games. They have won six of those eight. If they're going to win at home tonight as a five-point favorite inside Madison Square Garden against the Rockets, I would maybe, maybe lean under as well. Now, college basketball, a game we talked about in Lexington at Rupp tonight. Kentucky looking to bounce back from an overtime defeat against Texas A&M over the weekend. A six-and-a-half-point spread that, to me, is a very strong Kentucky line. I would lay the number hmm. with the Cats. And Donnie said this earlier. What's going on? with Steve Peichel and the Scarlet Knights. Maybe middle of the pack Ooh. this year in the Big Ten, but not just one conference win. I think it's a magical season in Lincoln for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. But it ain't Jersey Mike Serena out there in Piscataway. It's the rack. Rutgers laying two and a half at home tonight against Nebraska. We will talk to All you right. tomorrow on a Thursday morning, bright and early at 8 a.m. Eastern time. He's Donnie Wright's side. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk tomorrow.